Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about, I think it was about noon. His disciples had gone into town to buy food, so he was alone. Because Jews do not associate with Samaritans. This woman woke up on this particular day. It was just like any other day. First thing she did was she went, she put her clothes on. She walked over to the, the corner of the room where the water jar was. She picked it up. And she started to head out the door to go to the well. And she had to go to this well so that she could get water to use throughout the day. But as she picked up that water jar and she started to walk toward the door, she started thinking, I don't know if I want to do this again today. I don't know if I want to walk to the, the well and see all those women gathered around the well getting water for their homes. You see, they don't just get water when they're at the well. They talk about me. It's like they don't have anything else to talk about. They talk about all of the ways that I can't seem to pull my life together. They just pick on me, and it, it started out just a little bit of gossiping behind my back, but they're not even trying to hide it from me anymore. The whispers are getting louder and louder. And you can hear those words. And they kind of cut me to the heart. I just don't, I don't think I can go to the well again today. At least not while they're all out there. I'm just tired of hearing it. I'm tired of feeling all the shame and guilt that keeps weighing me down. I just feel like I've got this weight on my shoulders all the time when I walk around. It feels like I just can't take another step. I don't think I will today. So she took the water jar back over to the corner of the room. She sat it down. She said, maybe, maybe I'll wait until about lunchtime. There's not usually anybody out at the well at lunchtime. It's too hot. People like to go to the well with other people for safety. You don't want to get robbed or worse. Maybe if I go at lunchtime, I can have some peace. I can go out there by myself and just not have to deal with hearing all of the whispers. Maybe that will be my chance to get away. So she waits until noon. She goes to the, the corner of her house. She puts her sandals on. She grabs the water jar. And she starts making her way to Jacob's well. And when she finally gets to Jacob's well, she sees that there's already a man sitting down by it. She's tired. She can see that this man sitting by the well is tired too. And she thinks to herself, this is absolutely terrible. This is probably the worst thing that I can think of right now. I just want to be by myself. I've got all these issues going on in my life. Everybody in town knows these issues that are going on in my life. They know that I've had five husbands. They know that the guy that I'm living with right now is not my husband. What are they going to think if one of them happens to walk up while I'm here at this well with this, this man all by ourselves? And to make things matter, he even looks like he's a Jew. See, we just don't get along well with Jews. In fact, it's a little stronger than that. It's probably just short of hatred. We've just got so much history. My life really is falling apart. 
I can't even go to the well and get water without things turning bad. See, Jesus happened to be there that day because the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was out baptizing and getting more followers than John the Baptist, and Jesus realized that really wasn't the case, but the Pharisees thought it, and the Pharisees wanted to stop him, and Jesus knew that he needed to get out of town and get away, so he started heading towards Samaria. He probably left Judea around 7 or 8 in the morning. See, Samaria was about 20 miles from Judea, and he had a long hike to make. And so he headed out early in the morning, and he walked for those 20 miles in all of that heat and with all of those, that rugged, rugged pair of sandals on his feet. And as he walked, he got tired. And as he walked further, he got more tired. And he would have probably had some pretty nasty blisters on his feet by the time he got to that well. He'd have been in desperate need of water. And Jesus is thinking to himself, I really, really need some water, but you know, I really need to just sit down and, and take a break. I need to rest. I'll just sit down here by the well and maybe somebody will come by with a water jar that can dip it down in there and bring me some water out. Well, not long after that, this woman from Samaria comes to the well. Jesus can see that she's a Samaritan woman. He can see that she's got some anguish in her eyes. He can see that she's tired. She can see that he's tired and that he's Jewish. They lock eyes and if ever there was a time for two people to meet when neither one really wanted to see the other one, This was probably it. See, this woman was weighted down by life, by circumstances in her life, by whatever it was that was going on that had made her feel like she just could not be around other people. She didn't want to deal with anybody else who may ask questions that would reveal her source of shame. And Jesus was tired, and he was probably hungry. It was lunchtime after all, and probably just ran out of town too fast to grab some food. If ever there was a time for Jesus to be irritable, This was probably it. But initially, Jesus seems okay with her coming to the well, with her being there. He asked her to get him some water. He could see that she's got a water jar, but he also knows that she's a Samaritan. He says, please give me some water. And she looks at him and she says, do you have any idea what you're asking me to do? You do realize I'm a Samaritan, right? You do know that I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew, right? See, this would have been a huge issue for both Jesus and this woman. Both groups would have rather thirsted to death than to take water from each other. They didn't even want to talk to one another, let alone exchange something as important as water, a source of life. For Jesus to ask this woman to get him some water is basically him saying, I need your help to survive. I can't do it on, your, on my own. I need your help. And she's thinking, clearly you've been out in the sun too long. You've gotten a little too overheated. Maybe if you just sit there by that well for a little bit, you'll come to your senses and realize you're a Jewish man, I'm a Samaritan woman, and we don't need to be mixing like this. Jesus looks at her and he says, You know what? If you had any idea who I was, if you had any idea how great a gift God could give you, you'd be asking me for water. See, this water that I can give you is living water. You'll never thirst again if you get this water. This water will quench whatever thirst it is that you've got going on inside of your soul. By this time, the the woman's thinking, all right, I really could use some of that water. Every time I come to this well, I have to hear all of the whispers. I have to hear all of the gossip. It hurts. It weighs down on me. Every morning, every evening, I come to this well and deal with shame. If this man can give me water, 
that will keep me from having to come back and deal with this day in and day out. Maybe that's something I need. And so she looks at Jesus and she says, Sir, I want this water. I want you to show me where to get it. Show me how to get it. I can see you don't have a jar. But if you can get me this water, I really, really need it. So Jesus brings up the one topic that this woman really didn't want anybody to bring up. He says, why don't you go back and bring your husband? Go get your husband and we'll, we'll see about this living water that you want. And she says, I don't have one. And she's hoping that Jesus will leave it at that. You know, Maybe she won't get this living water, but she really doesn't want to deal with the fact that she's got some shame and this seems to be the source of shame. And she's got this guy who knows nothing about her wanting to talk about it. He says, I know you don't have a husband. And I know that you've had five husbands. And I also know that the man that you're living with right now, you're not even married to. She says, how do you know that? See, Jesus' words had cut her to the heart. At this point, she knows that Jesus knows everything about her. She doesn't know how, but she knows that she can't hide her mistakes from this man at the well, this stranger that she had never met before. I can see that you're a prophet. You know things about me that no one else could know. Jesus deals with this woman the same way that He deals with the rest of us. Some of us have things going on in our lives that we're not particularly proud of. Some of us have been carrying around those things with us for far too long, and they weigh down on us. We carry them everywhere we go. And it gets to where we feel like we can't take another step. We've done all we can to try to cover them up. We want to be perfect. We tell ourselves that those issues aren't that big of a deal. That we can handle them on our own. That we don't need anybody else to help us deal with it. We try everything we can to be perfect on the outside so that nobody can see the struggle going on inside our hearts. It's not a healthy way for us to be. It's not a healthy way for us to live. It's spiritually and emotionally draining to live like that. It's impossible to be living with these things going on on our insides trying to cover them up and having an open heart the way that God calls us to live if we're going around trying to cover up all of these imperfections. It doesn't take long for us to live life like this before we find that we're too tired to take another step. Not physically tired, maybe physically tired, but also spiritually and emotionally. It weighs down on us. I'm talking about the kind of tired that requires us to just get away, to totally shut everything down so that we can just recharge. The kind of tired that causes us to withdraw from everyone else. The kind of tired that makes you want to just go in your room, get in the bed, pull the covers over your head, and just tune life out. It's the kind of tired that requires us to go before God and to lay down whatever that burden is to God and say, here, handle it. I'm too exhausted. See, these things that we carry around with us that we try to hide start to become the sole purpose in our lives, the sole focus in our lives. And it doesn't take long before we start embracing these things as the gods in our lives, whether we mean to or not. They start deserving all of our attention and all of our energy. And before long, we don't have any energy for anyone else. We don't have any energy for God. We don't have any energy for our family, our friends, our jobs. We don't have any energy for ourselves. So often we get embarrassed about the ways that we come up short in life. We start to think that if we're, if we're not perfect, then we're not good enough for God to love us. We start to think that if we can't do everything the way that it needs to be done every single time, then we're not worthy of anyone loving us. 
what Jesus is telling this Samaritan woman at the well and what He's telling each and every one of us is that He already knows all of the ways that we fall short. There's no sense in us trying to hide them. But He's still willing to ask us for water. He's still willing to participate in something as important, as crucial, as exchanging a source of life with us. Sometimes Jesus asks us to go get water for Him. And I wondered when I started reading this passage, what must this woman have been thinking when Jesus asked her to go get water, knowing all that she had done? She knew all that she had done. She knew that He knew all that she had done. And He still asked her for water. He was still willing to take a source of life from this woman. And not only that, He was willing to exchange an even more important source of life with her. Sometimes Jesus asks us to go get water for Him. And I wonder how this woman felt. How would you feel? In my experience, when you get to that point in your life when you've hit the bottom, and then you encounter God realizing that you can't hide your brokenness from Him, it's pretty embarrassing. It's like when you have that dream where you know you've got a test to study for. And you walk into the classroom and you're naked. You're totally vulnerable, totally exposed. That's the way it is when you come before God and you realize there's no reason to hide anything from Him anymore. He already knows all of it. That shame and that guilt get stronger than it's ever been. But it doesn't take long after that before you can start feeling God's love. You can start feeling His grace and His mercy surrounding you. And everything that once consumed your life, that ate away at you piece by piece, that caused all of that spiritual exhaustion, starts to drift away. You can feel that weight start to come off your shoulders. You no longer care if people know about your broken past. The only thing that really matters is that they know that you're forgiven. That you know that you're forgiven. And that you know that God loves you. If you found yourself alone at a well with Jesus, what would that conversation sound like? If Jesus asked you for water, if He asked you for help, would your first response be like this woman's? Do you realize what you're asking me to do? Do you realize who I am, Jesus? Do you know how imperfect I am? Do you know how many ways I've fallen short? I can't even get the simple stuff in my life right. How can I do something as important as get a source of life for you? There are a lot of things in our lives that God asks us to do. Some of them are easy. Some of them are more difficult. Some are simple. Small stuff. Some of them are more complex. They become the the source and the focus of our lives. But some of the most difficult things that God will ever have us do is to deal with these things in our lives that are sources of shame, sources of guilt, so that we can get rid of them. See, we need to deal with these issues that we have so that we can love God better. So that we can love all that He's created better. So that we can love one another better. We can see God's grace in the midst of this story with the woman at the well. See, the woman knows that she's fallen short of who she should be. Who she could be. She looks around at her life and she can see that it's a mess. Everybody can see that her life's a mess. She can hear the other people talking about how broken she is. And Jesus offers her living water anyway. 
Jesus offers her water that's so much more important, so much more life-giving than that water that was at the bottom of the well. See, Jesus offers her love. He offers her mercy. He offers her grace. He offers her acceptance. He knows who she is. He loves her anyway. The good news is that no matter how we may be falling short in our lives, no matter how messed up our lives may seem, no matter how much shame, embarrassment, guilt we have, God still loves us. God still loves us. He still wants to be in a relationship with us. He wants us to be in a good and strong relationship with one another. He wants us to love ourselves. Knowing that we've got worth because He created us and because He loves us. See, that's the beauty of this story that we find ourselves face to face with God in a place that we were trying to run away from, that we were trying to avoid. We find ourselves face to face with God in a place of shame, of agony, of hurt. And He calls us to look at ourselves, to examine our lives. He calls us to look at all the stuff that we've been carrying around with us, all of that stuff that's been weighing us down and making it so that we can't take another step. All of that stuff that is causing us to withdraw from all that is. And He knows that it hurts when we look at this stuff. Just when we think that the pain's going to be too much for us to bear. We finally hear those words that we've been waiting for somebody to say. Why don't you let me carry that load that you've got? You've carried it long enough now. Here, have some water. Let that cool water flow through your veins. Let that grace and that mercy flow throughout yourself. Let it bring you to a new life. And know that you are my beloved child. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're mine.